Yeah, good. Oh, God, go away. Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile and Zapier and DoorDash. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. Woohoo! And uh, what was that about, Simone? Oh, God, go away. What was that about? I was clicking into my system preferences to make sure that uh, my mic setting was on, and it took me instead directly to uh, the update that I have installed on my computer. (laughs) (laughs) It could have been anything from like a fly in your studio to like an ex just pounding on the door trying to get in. (laughs) Get out of here, Greg. I'm busy. I'm recording a podcast. You you would not date someone named Greg, I don't think. Wow. Wow. All the Gregs in the audience are now really offended. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Brianna. You I'm have just Gregs saying, in the audience like, nodding okay. sagely. So, like, Giancarlo Esposito is on, we're going to be covering one of his shows today. And that's the name of someone you would date, Simone. I'm just saying, like, Greg, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. Did you say Jean, like, French? Just awesome. I don't know. Like, like there's some some rhythm to it. I don't know. I'm just gonna shut up because Jean-Carlo Car- Esposito yes. and one. Wait, it's John Car. Okay, his name is John Carlo Esposito. Okay, yeah. come on, Gus from Breaking I heard it Bad. very differently. Wow, what a great show we have for you today. <laughs> Earlier today, when I was typing up my notes for this show, I um was writing in io9 because one of our sources today is from io9. And I kept hitting the zero key and being like, why is it making a zero? Oh, <laughs> of course, because that's the capital. I, I must have the shift key pressed in. This is the capital version of nine. And it kept happening. And I was like, what? I thought I figured this out. No, it's a, there's a different key to type <laughs> nine, you guys. Simone. Um, oh, Simone. Which is why this show is going to be great. This show is going to be great. And we should also just know, because we don't know what day this is going to go out. We're recording this on a Sunday. We know what day our show goes out. It goes out well, on Thursdays. I know it goes out on Thursdays, but sometimes it goes out earlier. And so I just like want the audience to know that if, because look, rocket rules do always happen. It's like the thing that there's going to be some sort of massive, like earth shattering, like announcement, literally the second we hang up and like... Right. The audience should know Simone we're not going to start dating Giancarlo Esposito as Precisely. soon as the show is over. That's exactly what's going to happen. Expecting that news. So, so the reason you're not hearing it is because this is taking place, like you know, <laughs> a little bit in the past. That's all. A wee. All right. So let's start talking. Let, let's break up our Disney sections because he, here's what we have in store for you today, folks. D23 happened this last weekend. It's Disney's big convention where they do all the announcements that they didn't do at San Diego Comic-Con. And because Disney is a monolith and is monopolizing uh, entertainment and content programming um, and streaming for the the foreseeable future, they said a lot of stuff. So for dessert today, our fun section, we're going to be talking about some of the stuff we're excited for. But there's also a huge business side of it, um, and that is around the Disney Plus uh, details that they revealed about the programming for Disney Disney Plus, which is coming out this fall, and just a general state of the union on uh, on content, which is something we've covered a bit over this last month. If you've listened to previous episodes, we've been talking about 
Apple TV Plus and um, what they're going to be up to and uh, HBO Max. <laughs> oh, my God. Also happening. Which is the worst name ever. But but Disney owns the world at this point. Like, yeah. they really, really do. So yeah. Disney Plus, uh, if you are not caught up on it, is Disney's upcoming streaming platform, which will bundle basically the all of the Disney, <laughs> the Disney vaults, the Pixar films, the Star Wars movies, the Marvel movies, um, plus Hulu without ads or sorry, with ads, Hulu with ads, and ESPN Plus all together on one platform for $12.99 a month, which is Bananas. a very good deal. It's yeah, a good you, deal. You, you can also, if you just wanted, say, the Disney Plus thing, I think that that's going to be like $7 a month or something. Wow, that's nuts. Um, but, but the bundle is obviously what they're going for, where you can literally get everything that, that Disney makes basically in one package. And then in addition to the vault stuff, in addition to their huge film library and being the exclusive home for a number of their films, they, they've used to have deals with, with Netflix and that's going away. They're also doing all kinds of original series, um, which uh, they announced a lot more details of and, and kind of did like their own like little mini upfront at D23. Um, and if you're not familiar, D23 is like their fan like conference. It's like, comic-con but it's just for disney and it's run by disney so obviously Mm -hmm. like so they revealed a lot about disney plus programming and also a lot about uh upcoming updates to disney's theme parks Mm -hmm. which are really in kind of a a frightening renaissance right now okay so some of the let me can i just read down this list please this incomplete list of stuff that they talked about lizzie mcguire revival (gasps) High School Musical, the musical, the series. No. Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. spinoffs. Marvel's What If. Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, Lady and the Tramp (gasps) live action movie, a short uh, short form unscripted Muppets series called Muppets Now, Diary of a Female President, which is another series from Gina Rodriguez, Star Wars Clone Wars coming back, The Mandalorian Star Wars series. Um, And I know that there's stuff that I'm missing. (laughs) Yeah, and, and this, is, this is in addition Loki. to this stuff that's already been announced. Like, because uh, what's his face? Uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, Hawkeye, is getting his own um, yep. uh, show. And um, um, uh, what's his face? Um, Hiddleston, um, uh, Loki, is getting his own show. Yeah. And um, um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is, too. So, like, basically, any like anybody who's, like, second-tier Avenger is yeah, getting their show that they on they don't want to create a blockbuster movie around. And I, I think this kind of raises two... To uh, there, there are two opposing sides to this. One is that obviously this is a place for, uh, as you were just saying, the kind of second tier actors for them to those stories to be told in a way where it doesn't have to be a billion dollar blockbuster. Because I believe uh, in the IO9 article from Alex Kranz, she pointed out that Disney's had four or five films cross the billion dollar mark this year. Uh, which is wild. So it is a place for those series to live, but it's also a a horrible chimera that has devoured a huge chunk of intellectual property that just, that is owned by Disney now, that it's under lock and key. And I think that that kind of has a a stifling effect on uh, media in general. Yeah, because there are only so many stories you can tell. Then, and and even we talked about this last week. You know that we're at like this peak content thing, this peak TV, and and people are like, you know, we had a long conversation about 
Netflix's quality and whether it's decline or not. And my argument then was that, you know, there are only so many, like, there's a finite amount of talent. And, and Disney you know, has this, it. <laughs> right. Well, well, I was going to say, yeah, kind of. But also, because they have all of this intellectual property, that makes it even, like, that 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 like pushes it even even more so. You know what I mean? Like they are going to be very protective over what stories they can tell and what type of things they can do. And when so much of our culture is owned by one company, it's it's an interesting position that we haven't been in for a long time. Like we went through the like this is a cyclical thing where you go through massive of uh, consolidation and then breaking things up in the massive consolidation again. That's been a media trend for as long as media has been a thing. Um, but Disney at this point, even though there are other major studios, there's Warner Brothers, there's, there's Paramount, which just merged with Viacom or or just merged with CBS, you know, there, there's Sony, um, there's Universal, like Disney is far and away so much bigger and they're, I guess, both portion of the box office, but also I think more importantly, portion of the kind of the cultural mindshare is so massive right now mm-hmm. that it's kind of I don't know and I, I love Disney but I and I like I love a lot of their properties but I look at it and I kind of agree with Alex Kranzer. I'm like this is kind of scary you know yeah it is yeah, I definitely agree can we uh, can we go down through some of the trailers and talk about how we feel about them because for me the big news to come out of here is the Mandalorian I'm not that big a Boba Fett fan I think he's by far the most overrated character in the Star Wars universe but. This is this is my kind of show. Like it's uh, the trailer is slowly paced. It's got that great music in it. It's got uh, Giancarlo Esposito in it. I it just it really looks like the most interesting thing that they announced, in my opinion. I'm curious how both of you feel about it. Uh, yeah, I just watched it right before we started recording, and it looks great, which is what everyone was saying, <laughs> but I was still kind of like, uh, whatever. Uh, off a shoot of Star Wars, I don't care. Um, and then I watched it and I was like, okay, okay, that's dope as hell. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I'm totally into that. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I think some of the nostalgia pieces and some of, like, the the revamp things they're bringing back are yeah. bad. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Like, wh- why? I, okay, Lizzie McGuire is great. I that will give I'm you that. But that, that, why that are we doing this? It's 2019. Thank you. Well, I mean, I think because I'm assuming younger is not going to last forever and she needs to get paid and good for, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, all hail Hillary Duff, like, um, uh, whose, whose song come clean, the theme song to Laguna beach is still a bop. I'm just going to say it, but like she needs to get paid, but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I, I will watch that. I won't lie. It is weird though. Like that they're bringing back high school musical. Like, okay, yeah. the High School Musical thing is it's American Vandal meets um, f- 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 I I said this on Twitter. I think it's just American Vandal meets High School Musical because it is a faux documentary about high schoolers putting on High School Musical, the musical in the high school where High School Musical is set. Which <laughs> Right, okay, but like but, but- which wow. which wow. which is nuts which is that's also peak Simone laugh right there but like 
Okay, now I'll admit, like, I was, okay, I was too old for Lizzie McGuire, but I did watch it. I was definitely too old for High School Musical, but I loved Glee. But the thing is, is that High School Musical, the only exciting things was the time when Vanessa Hudgens accidentally sent her nudes to Zac Efron and, uh, <laughs> and, and Disney got mad at her. Like, to me, that's High School Musical. It's the drama happening, like, off screen, right? So yeah. this is perfect for you. Well, it would be, except this is a Disney thing, and Disney's not going to have any of that. Like, if this were Glee, which, you know, for all of its many problematic things, was bananas and had a great Tumblr community, I could get behind it. But don't you, like, my fear is, like, it'll just be completely sanitized to the point that the people, like, the queer teens in the audience who, let's be honest, are, like, the core demographic here are going to be like, yeah, this, this isn't, this doesn't have enough subtext for me. I don't care. Yeah, I can definitely see Disney not ganging it up enough for for it, for it to be interesting. I can absolutely see that. I also want to say, like, I think Lizzie McGuire versus Clarissa Explains It All has really been proven out as we've yeah. gone to find out what a right-wing extremist I was going to say, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, like, Clarissa oh, no. Explains It All. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, yeah. hear about that. What? She's outer space Republican. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. M- sorry Melissa, to say. M- Melissa Joan Hart, sorry, you've been canceled. But <laughs> oh, Clarissa no. is still a great show. Don't get me wrong. Clarissa is also, though, the, this perfect 90s like encapsulation yeah. of like a perfect era. Like I would still love to wear all of her clothes. Um, I couldn't pull any of it off, but I would wear it. But yeah. Uh, but listen, <laughs> McGuire, you're right. It's totally. Yeah. No, no. What what's shocking to me? Because what is Shia LaBeouf doing? Why haven't they done a Stevens? <laughs> like, where, where's I, I our think Even he Stevens, has like bring it firmly back? broken his relationship with Disney at this point. Yeah, but he's like, done too he's much weird eat. stuff. I know he has. I'm just saying. Like, is he homeless enough that he has to go back and do an Even oh, Stevens God. reunion? Oh, I think my God. I, he has this. He has a movie coming out this year where he is portraying his own childhood and playing his own abusive father. So he's doing art. Uh, and he does not need to be part of Disney Plus. Oh my goodness! So, can we so, talk a bit about the specs for this? Because I think yeah. some of the stuff that they're offering is actually it is interesting in both sets, Disney Plus apart uh, from other services. So, unlimited downloads for yep. offline watching. Uh, also, Amazing. it's on literally every device. I'm not even going to read it. Um, 4K Ultra HD playback <laughs> in Dolby Vision <sighs> Ultra Vivid Imaging HDR10 and Dolby Atmos Immersive Audio for devices nice. that support it. Um, which is, I mean, that's as as good as you can get with home video right now, right? Yeah, well, no, yeah, and the important thing there is is that it's both of the HDR standards. So you have both no Dolby 8K? Vision. How come, Chief Willoughby? <laughs> exactly. No, but but like there are two HDR standards. There's HDR10, which is the more generic one, and then there is Dolby Vision. And depending on who makes your TV and who makes your device, we'll determine which one you can get. And so this is actually an important thing because if you have like a TV that doesn't have HDR or doesn't have Dolby Vision, but has HDR 10, then you can still enjoy this. Whereas some of the other devices are like, oh, well, you have to have, or some of the other services or there's, there's weird like compatibility things. So this is very good. Yeah. I just want to be able to download a show I'm paying for, and watch it in the plane without jumping through 3,000 hoops. I mean, let's yep. let's go through it. 
Amazon Prime Video nukes that like what is it like a we a couple of hours after you download it it feels like like it's almost instant Netflix super quirky about what you can download and, and they what also you can't. limit and they limit yep. what you can do like now Netflix part of that is ironically a Disney thing part of it is yep. it comes down to the services who will allow downloads so for instance Disney won't allow downloads on Netflix which is hilarious even like for Netflix originals. But because this is a huge advantage of Disney owning the world and owning their own ecosystem and becoming the new Apple, uh, and and yes, uh, listeners, I'm very aware that the largest single Disney shareholder is uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs. I, I I know all about the the Apple Disney relationship. You don't have to tell me, but <laughs> uh, but like they can presumably like they have the rights to it all because they own it all. So they're like, cool, download it. Yeah. And then um, Hulu doesn't even have downloading, which is like, oh. I love Hulu. Oh, I wonder if this means Hulu will get downloading. Oh, that's actually a very good question. So I want to go through the Marvel shows that they announced because, yeah. I mean, I feel I feel so bitter about what happened to Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I mean, I've never identified with any character as much as Jessica Jones. And I know for a lot of people of color, Luke Cage is a very special show for them. And I think I think we would all agree here, like, d- d- like they kind of murdered Netflix's uh, Marvel they lineup. We really don't really killed that. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When it so comes to the sh- sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say the shows are coming out. Hawkeye, the Wandavision. What the hell? I don't know who this is intended to please. Uh, you know, uh, then you've got uh, the oh god, the Falcon character from Avengers. Falcon and Winter got, Soldier. Right, Falcon Winter Soldier. Okay. I just, I feel like other. I'm not psyched about any yeah. of this. Yeah. No. I mean, I will. I will give them the benefit of the doubt at first, but yeah, I'm a little concerned because the people who were clearly doing the programming, um, uh, I mean, I think Daredevil, uh, you know, started off rough, but, um, it, it became okay. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage were definitely excellent. Um, what was the the fourth one, the bad one? Um, Punisher. The, uh, and I actually like Iron Fist. I think Iron it Fist, was much okay. better for season two. It was really good for okay. season two. Okay. I, d- I didn't watch opinion. season two of Iron Fist, but yeah, but you know, but those showrunners, those creators did really interesting things with the source material and they really made adult like Marvel content, right? Like it was clearly like mm-hmm. this is the HBO version. This is not the ABC version, right? Like, um, whereas I, you know, my concern with, with this stuff, even though they've got the big actors, which is great, um, is that are they going to give, I have the exact same concern about Apple TV plus, are they going to give the showrunners like breath to tell adult stories? And yeah. and and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no is gonna be where my gut's gonna go. Is that we would yeah, my my gut tells me, and I hope my gut is wrong, but my gut tells me that Disney Plus would never have greenlit Jessica Jones. Yeah, I think so, you're totally right about that. I have a different opinion on that. Oh, um, I so when I when this was first announced, I really thought Disney Plus was going to be. Yeah, you know, like Disney cartoons for kids. I thought they would market it as a family safe kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I like to go to Disney World, but just because that's like, it's a theme park of stuff yeah. to do. I don't particularly like Disney stuff. Um, and then if you watch the Mandalorian trailer really carefully, they have things like alluding to a guy getting his head chopped off. Yeah, I mean, a lot of was- these trailers have some really 
it's it's edgy, a little more edgy than I would expect from yeah, Disney. Yeah, that's true. I mean, okay, but there's like a difference there. Again, there goes into being like a okay, are you are you edgy or are you like you know like. HBO, um, you know, Showtime, like adult drama, right? Because there's somebody, there's violence getting your head chopped off, and then there's someone being like a rape and abuse victim, like in Jessica Jones, right? Like, okay, that very fair, very fair. And, and I guess that's what I'm getting at is that they might be more willing to go further on the violence than we would have expected, which is great. So maybe they're going PG 13, but and fine. Um, but like, I want R rated stuff. Like, yeah. if you're going to be, if you're going to sell yourself as the service to end all services, which is basically what Disney Plus is kind of selling itself as, is basically we own all the content you want. If you're going to give your $13 a month to anyone, it should be to us. I'm an adult. I would like some R-rated content, um, you know, and, and I, and I like, and I would have said the same thing as a 13-year-old. As a 13-year-old, I would have been like... <laughs> No, I, I want to watch the adult stuff, like because you can tell more complex stories. You can do, you know, more complex things. I'm not even saying that you need like a ton of sex. I just uh, because you know Disney's weird about that, but like just adult themes and adult conversations and like uncomfortable topics. And I don't know. So, but anyway, no, that, that, I'm 100 yeah. percent there with you, and I, I think really that's am. kind of the underlying problem and, and worry that I have with a company like Disney having its having control of everything is that I think that as content creators, content companies become more monolithic, they will drive harder towards a middle of the road mainstream. And we won't get projects that are strange or complex or make people uncomfortable. Like sharp objects from HBO um, is an example I can think of that. Even if you took out all of the sex, the, underlying themes of it are so discomforting and that's not something i i could see existing on an apple platform it's certainly not it would totally. never be something euphoria. even euphoria. old disney it would never no. exist on disney point blank but we have this quote from bob Iger to a group of analysts and reporters this week where he said their goal is basically sign up as many subscribers as possible and get them into the service and give them a chance to enjoy the great intellectual property and product that will be part of that service, um, which is a, a, a nonsense statement made by a robot uh, or a CEO to yeah. a room of analysts. But it's also, I, I think it leaves very little room to take risks. Yes. Which I think is why you have so much of the existing intellectual property being reused, being brought back out. That's why you have, like, they're looking back at their entire catalog. I mean, this was kind of the joke. I I, I sent a tweet. This was a number of years ago, but I was at CinemaCon, and Disney unveiled their whole slate of things. And I took a photo of it, and it it went viral, mostly because, like, the entire thing, it was like their five-year slate was all, you know, either sequels or remakes. And that obviously has become an even bigger kind of meme, um, not just for Disney, but for the industry at large. But when you see a service like this, it really kind of brings it to a point where it's like, oh, we're literally just going to be going through, you know, like the archives and find, oh, people liked this thing that one time and we have a lot of money. So let's just throw some money at it and, and see if this sticks rather than you know, what the traditional model would be where, you know, you would accept new pitches from people and try to create new intellectual property. Um, it really seems to be about like extending the life of the the stuff that already has built in audience, or at least so they think. 
Yeah, I mean, I I do think that uh, Pixar has been pretty bold in, you know, they do more sequels these days, but totally. generally Pixar tends to bring on new intellectual property. So yeah, yeah, no, they I definitely do. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it, it'll true. it'll be interesting. I mean, it, but but they have like good looking. I mean, I I'm not gonna lie, like they have really good looking stuff, and you know, the Muppets they've tried so many times to make the Muppets on TV a thing, and like in you know, the post seventies era. Um, it might actually work this time. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. It, 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 there's, there's a lot of stuff. The, the, the Mandalorian definitely, uh, or Mandalorian, sorry, definitely looks. More adult. Yeah, it definitely looks good. Definitely. See, this is what I want from the service. So, like, if you look at the Mandalorian trailer, and I've really picked it apart, it is, it's, it's very slow-paced, it's not a bunch of like action shots. It's like uh, you know his ship going over the desert. It's these kind of long view pans of these Star Wars vistas. It opens with like a bunch of decapitated stormtroopers, right, <laughs> with pikes through their through their helmet. And it is, it's much closer to a Stanley Kubrick like kind of pacing than like this generic Marvel movie, comic book movie pacing I've seen a thousand times at this point. So when I'm talking about wanting mature storytelling, I'm not talking about necessarily sex or violence, though those are parts of it. I'm talking about something that's very sophisticated, something with substance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I want to see here. Stories that, um, you know, like a Breaking Bad, you can go back and watch again and again and just really appreciate it. I don't know if Disney is capable of of doing that. Um, You know, the last uh, Star Wars spinoff, Solo, gives me great pause (laughs) about the direction of that. But then again, like Rogue One is, in my opinion, the best uh, post-A&H Star Wars story ever told. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like there is going to be a disconnect between, even if they had the capabilities, between something like Breaking Bad or Mad Men, which were both on AMC. And obviously, to me, were proof that you could do HBO quality on a basic cable network. But both of those shows also have adult themes that I don't think Disney would touch still. Yeah. Can I put a pin in this to tell you guys about PDF Pen, the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac? You can add headers with PDF Pen. You can add footers and watermarks to your documents. You can forget fiddly nonsense PDF editing with PDF Pen's easy precision edit tool. And you can OCR document. PDF Pen 11 is out now and includes several new features, such as uh, automatic desk independent of OCR. Customizable page number locations, new medical and legal dictionaries for OCR, heck yeah, continuity camera support for scanning documents with your iPhone, and PDF Pen Pro 11 users can edit multiple four fields at the same time. All that and even more. You can learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. That is smilesoftware.com slash podcast. So go check that out right now. Thank you so much to PDF Pen and Smile for your support of this show and Relay FM. Thank you. Thank you. It's my favorite PDF app, like, ever. Seriously. Yeah, we we love them. It's the only one I'll use. Yes. We love them. We love Smile. Any final thoughts on uh, streaming specifically uh, 
uh, before uh, going on to parks. I kind of have one, actually. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> this yeah. is from uh, continuing off of Alex Kranz's IO9 piece. Um, just the the mere fact that what we are essentially paying for at the end of the day with Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and HBO Max and blah, 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 blah. Uh, she describes it as an enormous marketing survey that you and I pay the privilege of being a part of. And I think that that ties very <laughs> neatly genius. back into what we were just saying about kind of the sanitization and the mainstreaming of content is that when you are giving this data over and creating for them a the a, a data set of what the most people will watch, all you need is something middle of the road that a huge the, the the mainstream like the biggest amount of people will tune into and maybe that's something like a marvel movie because it is a big cultural event that we all want to be a part of and want to experience um that doesn't necessarily mean it's something that is as discomforting and introspective as sharp objects or even as strange and queer and surreal as Amazon Prime's Picnic at Hanging Rock adaptation. As much as I <laughs> despise Amazon, I think that that show is really freaking good. It sounds like you really like Sharp Objects, by the way. Maybe yeah, I, I was going to say, HBO's critically yeah. acclaimed series, Sharp Objects. <laughs> yeah, Sharp Objects. I, I read the book. It was not great. It was not her best work. It was uh, not her best work. I read it after I watched the show, and I think it's very interesting um, I, I think I said this before, but you can see the exact changes that they made to that story to improve it for the show. And I think that they did such a stellar job. It's a great adaptation. It's so good. Also, it stars it stars Amy Adams. Amy Adams, who deserves <laughs> literally every award oh. for that role. Ever, 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 ever. Okay, we just have to tell Rocket listeners, after the show last night, I made the terrible mistake of <laughs> putting up a tweet to say, who do you like more? Is it Amy Adams or Jessica Chastain? And I had my behind handed to me. Christina, you were right. And I just <laughs> want to admit that on the show here. So, um, yeah, by two to one. I, I just, oh, I and I'm going to thank you for your honesty. You. Thank you for your honesty, but I'm also going to be honest, if this makes you feel any better, Jessica Chastain did a whole lot better than I expected. <laughs> I genuinely expected it to be like four to one. I'm not even joking. Um, and and I also want to be clear, I like Jessica Chastain just fine. In my opinion, the redhead like hierarchy goes, and we'll move on to talk about some of the other things, but it goes Amy <laughs> Adams, Jessica Chastain, Isla Fisher, and then uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Like that's, that's, that's the hierarchy. Oh my okay. God. Well, I think the I think the kid from Goonies would be about Bryce Dallas Howard. Well, I mean, I think everyone would be, but yeah, I mean, obviously, look, nepotism <laughs> pays off, guys. I mean, you know, like, can we talk at the Marvel stuff just super quickly? Are yeah, there yeah, yeah. any of these Marvel products we are interested in on this show? Holy good God, you want to talk about the TV shows or the the land? Well, yeah. Well, I was talking about the TV shows. Oh, okay. Are there any of these? Uh, we're the Black in Widow show is finally come? coming. The yeah, what show? Black Widow. Okay, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I love Elizabeth I'm, Olsen. I WandaVision, I I saw the trailer. I'm I'm interested in it, but I also don't know the direction that they're going to get, go with it. I think as an actress, she could pull it off, and I think it has the potential to be like a a mature, interesting story about different timelines and what that means to your identity. But I don't know. I I think it's really going to depend on the execution. Wait, they had a trailer for WandaVision. Yeah. What? Yeah. Ah, God. Because they they had a trailer for Black Widow, but they haven't put it online yet. So I haven't 
seen it. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that 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 I can't wait for that movie. Yeah, like I'm I'm here for for Scar for Scarjo finally getting her own movie mm-hmm. after what they did to her in in game. Rest in pieces. Oh. I, oh. Okay, I am pretty excited about She Hulk and uh, Ms. Marvel. Although I don't know much about like how those series uh, will play out. Uh, I think I've never cool. liked She Hulk. I don't like. There are a lot of my friends that are psyched for this. I don't get it. Like She Hulk is kind of a disposable character, in my opinion. She's thick, I d- though. I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, um, okay. I mean, I mean, fair enough. But like, and, and again, like this, I think goes to like our what our fears are. But I mean, I'd never heard of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. All right. So let's talk about the the park. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> There's so, so much. Phase phase two of Rocket's coverage of D23. <laughs> Marvel Land <laughs> and the Star Wars Hotel. Uh okay. So we're gonna start with Marvel Land. So they are expanding. Um, Marvel attractions at Disney in Hong Kong, at Disneyland and in Anaheim and Disneyland Paris. Um, and those are the next big things that they are doing to us <laughs> in Disney's quest to take over the world. So uh, for, at Paris, for example, they're having unique hotel suites. Uh, but at Cali- in California, um, they are introducing a bunch of Marvel cast members and locations, um, including one where you'll get in a Quinjet and fly to Wakanda and Black Panther will be there. And there's a massive battle against Thanos, which the um, park goers will be recruited into. Uh, and these are all opening next year. I don't know about you guys. I want I want to gauge my relationship and my knowledge of of Disney here. I feel like I haven't been very tuned into changes at Disneyland and Disney World over my life until I started oh. working at Polygon. But it <laughs> feels like there is a lot happening in oh, theme park yeah. land that I just I I'm kind of stunned that it's so huge. Yeah, they they expanded uh you know, I know Disney World the best. They expanded Magic Kingdom a bit. Epcot has barely changed in the entire time I've been alive. Uh yeah, Hollywood no, I mean, Studios Hollywood yeah. Studios has had a number of, you know, smaller kind of changes. They're, they 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 don't know what they want to do with that. And I'll I'll still call it MGM until the day I die. And they but they're opening up now uh Galaxy's End, which is yes. a whole new area of that. That's the yep. biggest upgrade by far. And Animal Kingdom, they're really big updates since the nineties was the Avatar section where you still have to wait two hours to get yes, on there. Where oh you have God. to like where it's the longest line known to man. Cause when I when I was there in um uh July and we got our tickets late and so we weren't able to do like our fast passes at some of the things that we wanted. Like the Avatar line was still insane. And it was one of those things we were like, no. Um, now I will be, I don't have my full travel schedule for next year for Microsoft Ignite the Tour, but I know that I'm going to be in Paris for my birthday. And so I'm definitely going to go to Disneyland Paris. And I am trying, like, my kind of unofficial goal, and I'll see how many of the cities I'll be close enough to, is I kind of wanted to try to visit like every Disney uh, park in the world this year. Oh wow. my God, you mad woman. Envy. 
envy. So I think it's really notable that they are not bringing their Marvel land down to Florida. And one of the reasons that's really interesting is if you go to Universal Studios, mm-hmm. they made a really big bet on Marvel back in the 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 Nils, the nineties yep. and Nils. So sure did. Islands of Adventure, which is their second park, which is uh I'd say it's much more popular than the original Universal Studios. They have Harry Potter Land. Yeah, well, got, is, well Harry yeah. Potter uh, goes over both parks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but the whole section of yes. like walking around the Harry Potter world, oh, that's amazing. Islands of Adventure. Yes, it is. And then they've got all the Marvel rides. So I want to be really honest and say I, I enjoy Universal Studios more than Disney, even though it's it's like better rides and it's lower rent at the same time. <laughs> like that. It is. But, but the Marvel stuff is really mediocre. You've got Spider-Man's ride, which is based on the, the Spider-Man uh, TV show. It's a motion simulator. It's pretty good. It's probably the mar- best Marvel ride mm-hmm. there. Um, you've got Doc Ott's uh, drop, which is pretty bad. The Incredible Hulk roller coaster is the fastest roller coaster in the world. It's so fast. I don't even enjoy it when <gasps> I do it. And I love roller coasters. I don't know. It just makes me feel sick as opposed to adrenaline. I was was really, really drunk when I went on it in uh, last last October. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't throw up. I don't know. I had a good time. I just it was so we we have this thing um, at after the big ignite conference in Orlando uh, where they rent out the park and then they have alcohol and food around for everyone. So it's like this perfect thing where literally you're walking around, all the food is free, and then they have just like free alcohol for the taking. Oh, no. So it's a really fun time. Um, come come to Microsoft Ignite. You you uh, It's like included as part of the ticket thing. It's really great. I love it. Um, anyway, um, so you're probably right about it being too fast to be whatever, but I, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> oh no. I, it's a it's a fun it's a fun ride. I'm just my overall point here is all of Marvel Land at Universal Studios is dated. And without yeah, it, yeah, because it's I mean, all the box stuff. Exactly. So they've they've or updated Islands stuff. of Adventure lately. It's got uh, a King Kong ride, which is exceptionally good. Yes. Uh, and uh, the Jurassic Park re- uh, area has been updated a bit. But uh, overall, like without the Marvel section there, that's a huge blow to Universal. And when Disney bought uh, Marvel. Most people's first question is, what's going to happen to this? Mm-hmm. I just think it's really notable that they're not bringing this to Disney World yeah. when they're bringing it everywhere else. That's yeah, really I, interesting. I have to think that they're, and I don't know this for a fact, I would have to look into this, but I would imagine that there is probably some sort of clause in whatever licensing agreement Universal had signed with those Marvel properties that they would have the exclusive kind of maybe onus on Marvel brands. Um, in like Florida, um, that would not surprise me if if there mm-hmm. was some sort of like legal like thing around that. Now that will expire at some point, um, I'm sure. And and this is now further complicated by uh, we didn't even get into this, and we would have to spend a lot of time on it. But it is worth mentioning that some of the big news of this last week in geekdom is the MCU um, split with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm actually team Sony here. I'm, I'm going to be very unpopular and say, I am too, I'm completely, thank comple- you. Yeah. I'm completely team Sony in this case. So the TLDR is that, um, Sony has owned the, the film and, and TV rights, um, for Spider-Man for basically forever. And, and you could argue that if it were not for 2002's, um, Spider-Man, uh, with Tobey Maguire directed by Sam Raimi, that the entire superhero bonanza that we live in now 
would not have happened. In fact, I mm-hmm. would make that argument. I would make the argument that you do not get to Iron Man without Spider-Man. Like, you don't get to it. It doesn't happen because Spider-Man was the first, like, revitalization of a trope that, frankly, had been, like, played out and ruined in the in the, in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, they... Uh, after Spider-Man 3, which was not good, they were in the process of doing 4, and that didn't come together. And Sony has their agreement with, with Marvel basically kind of says that if they don't use the properties in a certain period of time, then they could lose it. So they redid The Amazing Spider-Man. And then Disney bought Marvel, but Sony understandably is like, no, we want to continue to own Spider-Man. And and, and yeah. the time, Fox also owned X-Men and uh, Incredible Hulk. And um, and a couple of other things. And um, then there was an agreement made a couple years ago after The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was not good. Um, <laughs> and and with, where they did really? yet another... Oh, I, I didn't okay. like Amazing Spider-Man 2. I don't know. I, I, I like um, Andrew Garfield a lot. I just don't... I don't know. I, he clearly did not enjoy his job. And, thought, and, and that I came through. I thought Emma Stone saved that movie. She was opinion. great. She yeah. was great in it. And I thought... But but it's one of those things where... Anyway, we, won't, we don't have to get into a long discussion <laughs> about that. But... But um, but then, you know, when they rebooted it for like a third time, um, basically, they came to an agreement and said, okay, we will basically loan um, uh, Tom um, Holland to Marvel, or to Disney, and let him appear in the MCU films and kind of integrate those two things together. And this was huge because they'd always kind of existed in separate pods. And at this point, um, after you know, Avengers has become the highest grossing film of all time, and 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 Spider-Man: Far From Home Two has has done extraordinarily well for Sony. Disney comes back and says, "Okay, so our previous agreement was that you paid for all the financing, and then we had a we got all the merchandising, and then we had a, a certain split on some of the profits, um, uh, you know, from a certain point." Well, now we want basically half of everything, but we still want all the merchandising and, um, you know, but we'll, 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 we'll pay, we'll, we'll pay half of, of the financing. And, and Sony's like, well, we've invested 20 plus years in this brand getting it to this point. We've gone through the good, the bad, the ugly. We know how much it costs to produce. We don't need your help with the financing. We'd rather not give you 50% of the revenue, especially since you already own all the merchandising. And, um, and, and also they would want some pieces of the video game stuff, which now Sony just bought Insomniac, the makers of the Spider-Man PS4 game, which is my favorite video game of last year. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it's large reason why I finally bought a PS4 if I'm being totally honest, but. So can I talk about this? Cause I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, so I realize a lot of people did not like the last, uh, X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix. To me, though, I think the X-Men series, uh, especially the first class uh, series of movies, has really taken a lot of risks. And I thought Dark Phoenix was a good movie, uh, partially because of Jessica Chastain. Uh, uh. Over, overall, it was, it's a solid film. And I, I'm utterly mystified why I did so poorly with people. I, I encourage you to watch it and give it a fresh chance. Brian Singer. To me, I liked it because it was not a Marvel movie formula, which I understand yeah. this formula by now. I see it four times a year. It's a great formula, but it takes risks. And Spider-Man certainly has taken many risks mm-hmm. over the entire time. So I think 
having some diversity in this line. I think mm-hmm. it's, o- it's okay. And yeah, I, liked, I agree. I liked Homecoming. The, le- the thing I liked least about it were all the damn cameos and how it's just another <laughs> yeah. Marvel movie thing. Yeah. Right? I was going to say, I agree with you. I actually think they did a great job with, with um, Homecoming. And I thought that Tom Holland was great. And, and I was the person who was like, are we really rebooting Spider-Man three times in 15 yeah. years? Like but I genuinely did it right. was, but they did, right? Like, it was one of those things, like, I think you could say that, that The Amazing Spider-Man, like, that didn't need to happen, right? Like, I think that even if you like those two films, you could say that was a sojourn that didn't need to happen. That was basically, we're afraid of losing the rights, and so we're going to do this again, whereas mm-hmm. Homecoming really worked. But people are so mad at Disney, sorry, sorry, or so mad at Sony because basically they're like, oh my God, you know, Tom Holland's not going to be allowed to be in the adventure films anymore. And I'm, and I'm like, well... Disney shouldn't be so freaking greedy. They already own the entire industry. Like, what more do you want? Like, at a certain point, it becomes extortion. Yeah, and they also still clearly own the theme park rights to Spider-Man because they're a huge part of the Avengers campus that they're bringing to Anaheim will be uh, a Spider-Man attraction that is Smuggler's Run-esque, but uh, with Spider-Man and web shooting and nonsense. So can we talk about how the the how expensive the Star Wars hotel is going to be? Because when I first yeah. saw this, I was like, Frank, we're there on opening night. I don't care what it costs. Well, now I know what it costs. And I'm like, Eat yeah, your words, I don't Brianna mind Wu. spending money. I don't mind spending money, but I do mind wasting it. And yeah, the fact how that much you can buy this? a car for a, as much as a night there. I, I don't know. It is two nights minimum, and I believe $3,300 is the number <laughs> that I read. <laughs> um, okay, no. hang on, though. It, it, a cabin on the Star Cruiser, which sleeps five, starts at thirty starts at 3300 So, technically, you could split it five ways. Yeah, but you know what sleeping five means? But sleeping five means that you have two people per bed, and then you have a rollout. Yeah. That's what sleeping five means. Okay. So like like don't think that this that's is a only six hundred and sixty dollars a person, Christina. Uh I understand that. And like if we want to go as a rocket, like if we want to take a rocket trip, actually that's not a bad idea. We should do a host. I trip. would consider that. I would uh, consider like like that. I would do that yeah. or I would go with some of my girlfriends or whatever. I'm just it's saying and Frank, and, and, you and Grant, and then I'm in the rollout. I see how this goes. <laughs> or it could even just be the three of us and we could leave the men at home. Like I'm fine with that too. Um, but like, I, you gotta stay for two nights. That's $7,000. Okay, but let me describe why this thing is so dope. Yeah. So go ahead. it is a hotel, an immersive hotel that you can't really leave because uh, it's an experience. You go there through a pod. Uh, it's a ship called the Halcyon, it's owned by the Chandrilla Starline. Um, so you zip off to this spaceship. Uh, you board and depart. It's a two-night adventure. So you you go with a group of people. You leave with that group of people. Um, once you're in the hotel, all you see is, you know, from outside, you see the space. You're in space. Um, there are aliens, including Chewbacca, apparently, walking around in the lobby. And then it has immersive experiences like a lightsaber training course. Um, and, of course, a storyline um, and perhaps a planet excursion or Port Day on Batu, the home of Galaxy's Edge. Uh, so it does sound genuinely awesome. It does sound. Look, look, you're describing this, and as much as it costs, they are they are literally the line. People who are willing to give money to this thing will be so far out 
that that starting at price is going to go up so quickly and yeah. they will be booked solid for the rest of existence, right? Of like I know that. But this is just there will I also don't know. be hidden spaces on the ship to meet characters oh having secret conversations and planning sessions. Yeah, it, it's as I'm reading this, there are two halves of me. I am divided in twain. And part of me is like screaming in high pitched excitement, and the rest of me is going, three thousand dollars. Yeah. I guess it's like I I, you guys know how much I go down to Disney. And yeah. I, I have strong feelings about what the ideal length of a Disney vacation is. <laughs> so you've got two options here. You can go down for like a quick weekend and three days at Disney is amazing. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 like a blast and you just get a quick break, but you don't get truly rejuvenated right. when you work the number of hours I do. I feel like you have to stay down there for a little over a week to really feel reset for another year. And it's just because there's there's a rhythm to a Disney vacation because you get down there and you're waiting in line and at first you're like, go, go, go. And you need some time to get away from it so you can actually breathe and feel relaxed and connect. So like I'm, I'm thinking about it and it's like at that much money, it's like you could fly down there and just do Disney at, at Hollywood Studios for like four or five times during the year. And yeah. that's just, it's just not defensible to me. I mean, I think that for certain families, if you were to go, here's my thing. It's a minimum two nights, but I think for to kind of get what you feel like your value is, you probably need to stay three is what I yeah. would feel like, yeah. right? So you're talking oh, I about- I don't know ten- about that because they're saying it's a, a two-night adventure. Okay. It has a I mean, storyline. Okay, well, if the storyline is two nights, then maybe that's different. Okay, at that point, I could see, even though I can't believe I'm I'm defending this. I really can't. <laughs> you're, you're talking about spending nearly seven thousand dollars for this all inclusive thing. If you had a family of say four, right? If you have like normal like nuclear family, and this was going to be your annual vacation, and you saved for it and whatnot, this is still very expensive. But this wouldn't be demonstrably more expensive than say going on a cruise. The difference would be, of course, is that a cruise would be longer. Um, but your accommodations here presumably would be better. So I don't know. I feel like, like I said, they're going to sell out like there's no tomorrow. But I think that three is probably right, too, that if what you really want is the theme park experience and the other stuff, there are better ways you can spend, like, that much money than this. This is a two-night adventure starting at $3,300. I'm wondering now if that because you can't stay for one night. It's literally not possible to stay for one night. So I'm kind of wondering if they're even presenting the oh, a one-night um, fee, if that makes sense. Like the 3300 it's not quite clear whether that's for the experience total or whether it would be 6600 yeah, okay. you'll definitely be buying Disney tickets while you're down there too. I bet it doesn't include meals because Disney cashes out the 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 you know, the yeah. meal plan. They push that on you so hard. I just say, like, look, when I got down to Disney at this point, can I tell you about something I did fun last time I was in there? I looked on Turo and I rented an Alpha Romeo four C, <laughs> which is a it's uh it's like a it's a four cylinder turbo car. That is like, it doesn't have uh, power steering, but it's so nimble and quick. And I'm blasting around Florida and I'm going to NASA and going to all these places. 
I rented that for $150 a day, and I had an absolute blast. Frank and I went to Machine Gun America, and I got the NRA on my butt. That cost (laughs) us about $300, and there's just so much awesome stuff to do in Florida. I was going to say, here's the thing. like $3,300, whether it's for the two days or the one day, is still $3,300 for Orlando, Florida. Like, Like, you have to kind of, like, and I get it, when people go to Disney and they go all out, like that's part of their whole experience. And for a lot of families, and this is one of the reasons why Orlando is hell, is that, you, but but you can also understand is that families have, many of them have saved, you know, up for the entire year, maybe multiple years. And then this is like their big thing, right? But because there are so many hotels and because it's a cheap area in general, like you can get much more value for doing other things. Like uh, I always stay... My, uh, my my Orlando life hack now is that I stay in one of the Marriott v- vacation villas rather than getting a regular hotel room um, during Ignite because it's a little bit further from the convention center, but with traffic, it's not that bad. And then I get like a full apartment rather than, um, you know, like the, the tiny, like crappy hotel room. Mm-hmm. And um, I have laundry in the room, which is the most important oh, that's thing. Nice. So, <laughs> and, 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 you know, because of things like DoorDash, I can get... Um, Red Lobster delivered to my to my door, so not having room service doesn't Interesting matter. Interesting that you should bring this up because this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Rocket is also brought to you by Zapier, which I know how to pronounce now. Growing a business is hard, especially when you're spending hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to wherever else. Wouldn't it be easy if all these things worked together without you lifting a finger? Yes, it would. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all of your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on things that matter most. You don't need to waste any more time on tasks that you know could be automated because that's what Zapier was built to do. So if you work in sales, for example, Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads and send them to a CRM or spreadsheet. Whoa! And then it lets you notify your team so that they can act fast on every opportunity. But whatever your business, you can build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or asking a developer for help. Oh, and with support from more than 1,500 business applications, it's no wonder that more than 4.5 million people are saving 40 hours a month. That's like a whole work week. It is. Using Zapier. (laughs) It is super cool. I logged right in and they were like, oh, do you want to set up notifications in Slack when something happens in Google Calendar? And I was like, yeah. There's actually this issue we've been having with Google Calendar where Polygon's room keeps getting booked by people outside of our team, which is not supposed to happen. But I can actually set up notifications so that every time that room gets booked, I I get a reminder in Slack, uh, which is perfect because, I mean, we don't have that many meetings there, so it's not like I'm getting overwhelmed. And also, I kind of want to know what's going on in there because there's a lot of tech stuff in there. So I should be aware who's in moving in another room. And then if something comes in from somebody who's not supposed to be in a room, then I get told that somebody's somebody thinks they can come into their room, and that's not okay. Uh, I also set up a cool thing with uh, Gmail. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Gmail and Drive, where it just, like, harvests attachments from emails and puts them in Drive, which is... Pretty cool. 
Right now through November, try Zapier free by going to our special link, zapier.com slash rocket. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash rocket for your free 14-day trial. And then you too can see how easy and simple it is to use. Go there now, check it out. It'll save you so much time. Zapier.com slash rocket. Thank you so much, Zapier, for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. All right. Does anyone have any final thoughts about Disney parks and general ownership of our lives? I know I'm going to go and Christina's going to go too. Like, let's just own it right now. We Eventually, are. I will find $7,000. We'll <laughs> go down well, there. So. I, I, I am actually serious now that I say this out loud about a host trip. Also, Disney, if you're listening and you would like to sponsor us, we would love to do a live podcast. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> from, the, from the Star Wars Hotel. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah. Send me to the friggin' Star Wars Hotel. I will... I will LARP the crap out of that. New topic. Disney is making LARPing mainstream. Actual new topic. Uh, let's talk about uh, what's coming up for us in September. Bree, take it away. So uh, there's a whole lot of uh, rumors coming out about Apple's lineup. We do this mm-hmm. every year, kind of looking at the uh, the new iPhone. Uh, I think, can we start with this one first, Christina? So long story short, the new iPhone from the, uh, according to Bloomberg and uh, Mark Gurman, a uh, legendary reporter over there, uh, Apple is coming out with the update for the iPhone this year, including two Pro models. Uh, it looks like the emphasis is going to be on the camera yet again. Of so, course. So uh, I guess my first question is, Christina, what would possibly make a iPhone Pro as opposed to something else? Because I'm really confused by this. Um, I mean, I don't think, I think at this point, I think we can all kind of admit that the Pro naming nomenclature is kind of irrelevant. It basically is a standard for more expensive. Yeah. I mean, I, and I and I don't say that like as a diss, right? Like I think that that's actually been the case for a really long time. I think you can go back to the original 13-inch MacBook Pro, the um the unibody model that came out in 2010. I think that you can say that at that point that's when it kind of like you didn't really have that delineation anymore. I think even now, you know, the MacBook Air um obviously is is sold and then you have, you know, the the MacBook Pro, you have the touch bar and it's terrible, but uh, and the keyboard <laughs> is terrible, but the but the laptop itself is is good, which is the frustrating thing, right? Um, yeah. But at this point, I think that really your differentiation is price. So I think that if if Mark Gurman, who I have no reason to doubt because he is almost always correct, um, is correct, basically is that the the iPhone um, 10s and the 10s Max will become like the Pro and maybe like the Pro Plus or the Pro something else. And then what was uh, the 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 10R will become just like the normal iPhone. Yeah. And it's a great phone. My husband is the one who got the new iPhone this year. He has a 10R. It's an amazing yeah, one. That definitely um, works for me and my general feelings about wanting the the basic iPhone to be a, yeah. a cheaper version. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that that frankly, like as 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 I know why they did the 10 name and I thought that was clever. Um, but I think that in terms of like having a, a more consolidated and like easier to understand line, like I would rather be called pro and and, and normal. Um, I, I do think that you will have some people who will understandably be like, well, you know, what makes this pro and what makes this not? And it's, it's I think it's going to come down to potentially number of camera sensors and then like whether the screen is OLED or LCD. And that's going to be about it. 
um, because at this point, I mean, those that's that, that's been the big the, those were the two biggest differences between the 10R and the 10S mm-hmm. was you know they had the same processor, uh, different screen technology, and and different um, camera sensors. So yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. Um, I I'm still not loving the the back look. You know that the, they. I hate it. I, I hate, hate it. it. Like it's so just, much. It's ugly. And it is I'm, an abomination. I mean, Lord. I mean, obviously, I'm going to buy the phone. I, I'm not even going to pretend otherwise. Because last year, I made a fool of myself when I was like, I'm not buying this phone, and then I bought the phone. Yeah, I never um, make promises. Well, also, I'm on a payment plan, so you know, like, might as well, like, just go. Yeah. Get the. You know what I mean? Like, it's budgeted in, so whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's. That's interesting. Is it okay? Is it is am, am I terrible for saying that I'm really I don't care about the iPhones as much this year? I'm like kind of like at peak iPhone. You're nope. not terrible nope. for saying it. I feel like that's kind of what we've been leading up to for months. Is just like they're gonna do it. They're gonna be a bit better. They're gonna look crappier than ever because <laughs> that's I think been the trajectory for iPhone uh, bodies for a while. But they're it's they're gonna be there, and you'll have them. I would absolutely pay $1,200 for an iPhone that was uh, the 10s Max size with Apple Pencil support. I would buy that in a heartbeat. That would be cool. To take notes on. That would be cool. Um, Man, you guys, I need to be put in a a program. I was looking at iPads the other day. I was thinking about it. It is entirely worth it. But uh, I will make a promise here on this show. you know, one of the reasons I love my 2000 Boxster so much, it is, it it's is beautiful. A, it is a fine, gorgeous object that is classic. And the person that owned it before me loved it to pieces. I love it to pieces. And the longer I have this really old car, the more special it is. And now that the iPhone has hit a point where my my original 10 uh, iPhone 10 is not any slower at this point. I I it's weird to describe, but I feel this like intense bond with it. Like yeah. I got the absolute maxed out model. It's in my hand all the time. And like this is the phone I've run my campaign on. I've taken phone calls with really important people. I love this phone because it's just it's your it's iPhone a, 4. Right. It is. It's of a quality that I just, I, I, I can't justify, like, that's one third of a night at Disney, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. So I, I'm going to stick with this one a third year. I, I am, nice. uh, unless they announce something that makes it worth it or pencil support. Yeah, unless they, unless they, yeah, I was going to say, if they give you pencil support or whatever, but yeah, you know what? And I think that, I think that's fair. And I think that we've talked about this before. I think this is, and this has been hard for a lot of um, Apple fanboys, uh, and I'm most definitely including myself in this. It's been hard for us to kind of accept the reality that our every year upgrade cycle is no longer really necessary, and that really Apple has kind of shifted, I think, to an expectation that people will keep their phone for three years. And so, you know, it used to be even like the TikTok thing. You didn't have to get it every year, but maybe there would be reason enough to do it. Now, I think that there is a lot of arguments you could make, which is like, Unless you're on the payment plan or whatever and, and you've budgeted for it, it's not really that necessary to, um, you know, get the new one to, to get the latest and greatest because we because the phones are, are the hardware is so good. We still haven't caught up with software. And it's funny. They actually have this rumor. And I don't know if this is going to be true or not, but the watch, which is ridiculously successful. A lot of people are not expecting a new 
hardware update on the watch, maybe some um, different like colorways or some different material types, but the hardware itself to stay the same. And part of me was like, well, that seems silly. And then I thought about it. And I was like, actually, if it runs, you know, watch um, OS um, 6 uh, well enough, why why wouldn't they just continue to um, use the same hardware? Because then they can get their margins down. They, they can get their margins up rather, you know, by by continuing to use the older hardware. So, and I, I love the Apple Watch that I got um, last year, the Apple Watch 4. Um, and, and frankly, I... I didn't really need the upgrade over the Apple Watch 3. It's just I get a fitness credit. And since I didn't go to the gym, I bought (laughs) an Apple Watch. But yeah, um, but the other news, so in addition to the the phones, there's the laptop rumors. Oh, boy. Anybody have thoughts on that? Yeah. So this is, just to kind of catch Rocket listeners up, this is going to be the really big first uh, MacBook Pro upgrade since we got the Touch Bar. I feel like enough time has passed on the Touch Bar that we can pronounce this as an Apple experiment that just didn't pan out. Um, I, I... I, I really, when I bought mine, I thought I would eventually come to accept it. Where I am today on it is I find myself constantly, accidentally touching it and doing things with it. <laughs> I am still angry with all the fiddling I've done. I still, if I want to just hit mute, I just want to hit mute. Yeah, I don't want to like adjust the slider. I just want to like have a button to hit. Uh, I deplore the the touch bar. I mm-hmm. hope it goes. Um, I and the keyboard has the faults have been well documented. We don't need to cover it again. Mm-hmm. But um, smaller bezels, though. Yeah, and it's going to be a 16 inch instead of a 15 inch with the same 15 inch form factor. So expensive. I, I know it. I know it. It's going to be so expensive. I I hope they don't try to make it thinner. I actually would like them to make Please. it thicker and have yes. a better keyboard. That's my yeah. opinion. I yeah, am 100 no, percent with you. Also, because I own the Huawei MateBook X Pro, which is the, you know, complete, like, 100%, like, like blatant knockoff on every level, that laptop is proof that you can have non-existent bezels. Obviously, one of the downsides is you have, to, like, a webcam that's a button, and that's terrible, but you could do things where like similar to like what Dell has done with their most recent models where you could still have, you know, low bezels and have the the webcam at the top. But that laptop is the same thickness as my 13-inch MacBook Pro, yet it has a full-size USB port, which I don't really care about, but it does have it. And it has like actual keys that press down like actual keys should. What? So wow. It's possible to do this. And then the screen size is bigger. It's like the same physical size, but it's like a, a you know, like a, a 14, it's like a 13.9 inch or a 14.1 inch screen. And we know it can be done because Huawei has done it better. So I'm hopeful. Um, my only my only kind of fear with this is I'm going to see this 16 inch MacBook Pro. I'm going to want it. And then it's going to start at $3,000. And I'm going to be like, but that's a night at Disney, uh, Star Wars Hotel. And <laughs> It's it's really true. It's always been true. It's especially true now that the right time to buy a MacBook is when you actually need it. This because, is true. Because, you know, the, the yearly upgrades is, has not been relevant to do that. The, the MacBook that I did 99% of Revolution 60 on, uh, 20, uh, 2012 MacBook Pro, it's a fantastic machine even mm-hmm. to this day. So, uh, yeah, I just, I think... I don't know. I think uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm sure when it comes out, it will be worth spending $3,000 on and having it last five or six years. So, 
well, maybe I'll get a refurbished iPad. I was I was going to say, I mean, we, we say that and then I'm like, my my iMac, which was, you know, amazing, was like $3,000. Um, so I don't know. It's hard. Well, listen, folks, this episode of Rocket is also brought to you by DoorDash, actually. <laughs> Whether you're super focused at work, having a chill day, or forgot to meal prep, you still need to eat or else you get super grumpy and you yell at all your coworkers. With DoorDash, you can have dinner from your favorite restaurant delivered right to your door. Maybe even what? a window. Maybe you could open a window. Maybe it could be called Window Dash. But no, it's called DoorDash. <laughs> Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and have your food delivered to you wherever you are. Your favorite pizza place is probably already on DoorDash, but there are over a quarter of a million restaurants in order over 3,000 cities, which is a lot of numbers and a lot of people, a lot of places, a lot of food. That's door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, so you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants. I can't talk today, y'all, like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, the Cheesecake Factory, whatever you want. How how has DoorDash treated you folks? Well, I like I, I mentioned earlier, legit, last time I was in Orlando, I ordered Red Lobster like three times and I was there for three nights. That's so. such a Christina move. I, I'm i so unsurprised. So I, when I got back from uh, Italy last week, uh, we had the DoorDash uh, codes kindly provided to us and I ordered a big old bowl of ramen from a local restaurant. Yeah. Um, the, the idea of cooking was so impossible to me it still actually feels impossible to me um but i got just delicious ramen delivered right to my door and i uh sucked it right down and right now you can suck it down too and get five dollars off your first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter the promo code rocket that is five dollars off your first order when you download the doordash app from the app store and enter the promo code rocket So download that app now. Start planning your delicious dinner that you will not have a hand in cooking. Don't forget that's promo code ROCKET for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Thank you so much, DoorDash, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Folks, Christina, what are you up to this week? So I I do have an update from last week. I I had the sandwich. (gasps) Tell me. Um. It is. It is worth it. It is all the hype about the Popeyes chicken sandwich is true, and it is worth it. I'm it was so mad. It was um, a ridiculous process for me to get to Renton to get it. So Simone, oh, you're, you're, you're from Seattle, so you know. Yes. And we we drove to Renton from Redmond, and with the time of day that we went and dealing with like traffic it took us almost an hour to get there and then we had to wait like the line wasn't long but after you ordered like it was a long wait for the the sandwiches because the poor employees who honestly i feel like we should send them chick-fil-a or something like because as far as i can tell they're um like they haven't been given more employees and more hours to compensate for the increased sales like they were like assembly lining it like it was it was intense um how did this start was it just that twitter war with chick-fil-a um i think it started with the new yorker article i think that when when helen rosner wrote uh the 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 popeye's chicken sandwich uh will save america or something like that i think that was the start and then i think it was buzzing before that because they did this there was this restaurant in california that had been serving popeye's fried chicken as their own entree like reselling popeye's fried chicken right and then popeye's when they released the sandwich previewed it at this restaurant like it wasn't available at Popeye's it was only available at this 
restaurant, <laughs> like a sit-down restaurant. Oh, right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, that's okay. That's true. Well, there's been a lot of hype, but I, but it, I think it started with the Twitter stuff. It, I think it just like there was a, there were a lot of reasons, but it's become a true phenomenon. And anyway, I we had to wait 20, 30 minutes for our food to be ready. And then we ate it and I got one for Grant and brought it home to him, which was a 30 minute Uber ride away. And so he got his lukewarm and he still was like the best sandwich. Mm. And we are Chick-fil-A diehards. Like we, we're, and we're from the, like the land of like good Chick-fil-A, right? So like we know like the difference. No, this sandwich is incredible. If you have the chance to get to a Popeye's, I highly recommend it. So this week, nothing that I do will top that because unfortunately I live too far away from Popeye's to make this like a regular thing. Um, but, but, but I, I wish I could because then I would like DoorDash it every single day. I'm not even joking. Wow. Um, it's really good. So, but other than that, um, I've just got some work stuff going on and, um, I, I'm going to be out of town, I guess in two weeks for XOXO, but yeah, I don't oh, really cool. have much, you, much you'll else You'll see going my coworker, out. Brian there. He's going as well. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And also, if any if, if any uh, listeners are there, uh, Rocket Rules obviously apply. Um, I was able to meet some listeners last year, so if you see me at XOXO, Rocket Rules apply. Free drinks. Brianna, what are you up to? Uh, this week, it's an ordinary day in the office, uh, giving some speeches, raising some money. Uh, there was a um, I participated in a uh, documentary uh, after the Christchurch shooting in uh, in New Zealand. Uh, they sent over a film crew to. To cover it because, you know, HN was started during Gamergate. Uh, that came out this week. I don't watch work that I'm in ever, but I'm told by everyone I know that it's really, really, really good and powerful. Uh, so if uh, listeners want, you can check that out. They take a really hard look at uh, both of those mass shootings there. Uh, you have to remember in America, we're kind of desensitized because these kinds of mass killings are every single day. Uh, in New Zealand, they are not. And they are really wrestling with some difficult questions after that. So uh, you can do that. All right. Uh, what am I up to this week? Uh, we're going into rehearsals in the the space where our show is going to be in at Center at West Park, uh, which is very exciting. And uh, a lot of my coworkers are actually on vacation right now. Uh, we didn't, you know, all line it up to go on vacation together at the same time. But I have a video coming out about Pokemon Go and how it's good and how people should play it. So stay tuned for that, folks. <laughs> I went shooting in uh, da, 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 on Thursday in Central Park. Um, nice. And I was so tired and so hot. And I have a broken mm-hmm. foot. So know that I did this for you. You have a broken All voice? of these viewers. Yes, I broke a, a, I, ha, I broke a bone in my foot. I have a bone that oh, is broken. Oh, no. My first oh my broken God. bone. Baby's first broken bone. But Christina, where can we yes. find you online? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the stuff that I do at work at uh, youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And my most recent episode of the show, um, I wear Taylor Swift merch, even though the audience oh, hates it. So you... So please like and subscribe. Um, but uh, no, uh, yeah. So uh, film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Brianna, what about you? You can see me on uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter, developer Brianna Wu on Facebook. If you want to support my uh, campaign for U.S. Congress, you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. You can find me at youtube.com slash polygon and doomquasar on Twitter. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, I ask you, please do go leave a pod a podcast. Leave your own podcast in response to this podcast on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, where podcasts are podcasted from. Or just do a review like a normal person would. That would be fine, too. would be okay with it. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>